Welcome to A Life Shared, Parent Helps and Renovations. Whether your kids are three months old or 33 years old, we can live with each other in a way that gives life. That's A Life Shared. I'm Ellen Martin. Glad you joined us. People are going home for the holidays. How do we as parents prepare for our kids coming back home? especially the college students, the ones who used to live with us, but don't really now. How do we do that? Well, how do we make it so that they're glad they came home instead of this burden or obligation? And for those of you who are like, well, that's great, but I don't have college students. Listen in anyway, because today's guest offers inspirational insight and practical plans to help you be glad you're home for the holidays. Jeannie, welcome to A Life Shared, Parent Helps and Renovations. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. How long have you worked with university students? You know, a little bit over a decade. I've worked in both secular universities and private Christian universities. And what I is love it. And you love it. <laughs> Joke that people have a knower. They know when you like them. Do you know what I mean? So the fact that you love your work, that you love those you serve, it's a game changer and it makes all the difference in the world. And that's part of why I'm so excited to have you here. You know the rhythms of semester life. Fall semester has its own rhythms, spring semester its own. And you're aware of patterns in the lives of students from first year, second Mm -hmm. year, third and fourth, and the significant ways that a college experience creates a unique opportunity for growth and development in people, in students. So with the first semester well underway and students traveling home soon for fall break, or Thanksgiving break, Christmas, or maybe making a difficult decision not to, um, I'm really excited mm-hmm. to have you here so that parents can be encouraged and equipped and empowered to welcome their students home and meet them where they are instead of keeping them where they've been. Mm -hmm. That while as parents, we want our kids to grow up, it's also painful because it means we don't know them the same way. It means that we're confused about our role and place in their life. Um, We don't know how to support them the same way. So there are all of these awkward transitions. I'm curious if you have any insights into what might help parents love their children well for these upcoming breaks. Sure, that's a great question. First, I would say to any parent listening or someone who's caring for a college or university student, like they still need you. Like they yeah. still need you as a parent. They still need you as a friend, a role model, model mentor. Um, you are still very important to them, even though they don't know necessarily how to show it. And so even though it's hard and difficult and you're both navigating newfound roles, they still need you. So please don't, don't stop and it will look different and it will probably be messy and mistakes will be made, but um, they still need you. And I would say to anyone, um, for, and coming home as a freshman is different than coming home as a sophomore or junior or senior because they're all in developmental different stages. And so grace and space, like be gracious with yourself, be gracious with them and create space for opportunities to learn and grow in these new roles. Um, pray. <laughs> Pray, 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 pray for your student, pray for your child, um, pray for them coming home. It, it is difficult mm-hmm. for them as it's difficult for you. And um, I can't say it enough. Pray, pray, pray. And then prepare for them to come home. I can't tell you how many times students are like, I'm not sure where I'm going to sleep or I don't have a space mm-hmm. when I go back home. So even just creating that space within your home to prepare for them to come back home. 
Um, where are they going to, where are they going to sleep? Where are they going to put their stuff? Because it might not seem like that's a big deal, but for them, that is anxiety producing. Oh, my room got changed to my sister's room or my room is now the craft room or whatever mm-hmm. that might be. Just prepare the space for them and prepare your family for them. Like if there's siblings in the home or even with your spouse, like how are we going to approach this differently? Because sometimes we forget as they've had new routines, you have also de- developed new routines as a family. So you've had parties and celebration and game nights and family dinners without them. And I think Mm -hmm. we forget sometimes it it can be a little bit of a transition as they come back into that space. So prepare physically the space, but also prepare the family to welcome them back home so that they don't just feel like, oh, I'm coming back to something I don't belong, but that they feel Mm -hmm. like they can come back into that space. But also it's tricky because they're not coming back in as a 13 year old kid. (laughs) They're coming back in as an adult who's learning to become an adult. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes it's very easy for them to fall back into the roles in which they played in the family. So they're the peacemaker or they're the goofy one. And we, we don't really always know how to welcome them in as a, a grown adult child who's learning to become an adult. And so prepare the space physically, mentally, emotionally as a family, and then play together. Like, where are you Mm going to have fun? Where are you going to let them kind of be that kid again? And, as they're trying to be an adult, they still need to play and they, they need that space to grow and laugh and have fun. So pray, prepare, play. I love it. You have just given us so much stuff. And I'd really like to unpack that a little bit. It's sure. really interesting. Some of that sounds so obvious, right? Like prepare, play and pray. And it's like, okay, you get ready, you pray, you play. But the truth is, is a lot of times parents are like, okay, but what does that look like? <laughs> You know, we are so conditioned now by a digital world that really gives us countless examples. And very often we cut ourselves short on our ability to have a vision for what that looks like and our ability to to make those plans in a way that really works for us. We're we're relying on on too many other sources often than than ourselves. So, you know, you say pray. There are lots of ways we can pray. But I know for me as a mother, one of my biggest prayers has always been, Lord, may I let my children be the fullness of who you've made them to be. That's right. I have um, an oldest child. He's a senior this year. So I'm just like right behind, you know, what some of these listeners are, are. And he has big plans and they are not what were on our trajectory. (laughs) (laughs) and they are not a traditional option. And so one of my prayers is constantly, Lord, help me with all the letting goes from now until Mm -hmm. then. Um, Because parenting is like a thousand letting goes, but as they get older, it feels like 10,000 letting goes, (laughs) you know, all of these little things. So I think as a parent, one of the things that's such an important thing to be praying for is may I let my child be who they are becoming, you know, instead of keeping my child where they are, may I engage my child in a way where they feel seen instead of just doing things to my child or for my child as a mama heart wants to, what are some things that you would speak to that would be good things to pray for, for students? I mean, those are things we can pray for as parents, but some things that would be good to pray for our students coming home. Sure. One is just community, that they would be surrounded by women and men who help them live into that fullness of all that God created them to be, because they are lonely. They're exhausted from trying to make friends at college and trying to figure out where they're known and where they're seen. And so praying for those friends 
that are there and then praying as they come back home and as they re-navigate new their old friendships back home that is very stressful for them because many have taken different paths and they haven't talked in several months and so they're trying to navigate finding new friends or continuing new friendships that they made at the university, but also coming back. And where's my spot now that I'm back home with my friends? So it's not just Mm -hmm. family, but it's also friendships as well. So praying over their friends. And then I think too, sometimes we just forget how important it is to ask them, how can I pray for you? And then doing it right there in that moment, not waiting or not doing it, you know, when you're with your, your spouse or at night, but praying over Mm -hmm. them. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes like, we think we know what we're praying for. We think we know what to ask, but we forget to ask them, like, how can yeah. I pray for you right now um, or even next semester and just ask them and then do it and continually allow them to hear you pray for them. And even if they don't know how to respond or they're like, oh, I don't need that. Um, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will use those moments to soften their hearts. Yeah, I love it. And I, and I think as a parent, it's really important to remember the long game. That's right. You know, not the moment, but the long game. So, <laughs> so right. all right, we've got prayer covered. Okay, prepare. It's kind of funny that you mentioned the whole anxiety about the space. Where am I going to stay? Where am I going to put my stuff? You know, they've already made my room into a craft room. I got to say it now. I'm like, geez, was it wrong of me? But we haven't had a guest room in a while with five kids. Um, we have three bedrooms with five kids distributed across it. And having a guest room has always been really important to our whole family because we love having guests with us. So part of my preparing for all the big changes that are coming up is, okay, what can I do with that space instead of just walking by and being like, oh, he's not here, you know, next year. So I asked, I was like, hey, how would you feel if I turned your room into a guest room after you move out? Now, mind you, he's just started his senior year. He might be thinking, geez, you're kicking me to the curb, lady. But I'm like, what would you think about that? He's like, uh, so we talked about it a little bit. And I was like, the thing is, is it would be your room when you came home. And he immediately just completely relaxed. It was like, oh, okay, you're not just getting rid of my room. You're changing the space for something we enjoy as a family, but I'm the one who stays there when I come back. I really appreciate you speaking to that. And I think that one of the things that can be so helpful, and we do this when we have guests visit us, is, hey, what do you need while you're here? Like, that's just a question people who want to be hospitable ask their guest. So as you mentioned, asking, how can I pray for you? And then praying for them. I think being able just to say to your student, hey, you know, it's a craft room now. Where do you want to stay? What can we do to help you feel at home here? And then to the best of your ability, doing it. Are there other things from your experience of working with college students that would, you know, be supportive to the preparing part as well? Sure. I think even even just having, what do they like at home? Like, what are their favorite foods? What is, what's their favorite snacks? Because they've been in a place where they don't feel like they're known and there's not, not that shared history of life. And so when they come back home, it's, oh, I am known here. Look, there's, there's my favorite drink or there's my favorite snack or here's my favorite meal. And again, it's just that welcoming hospital hospitality back home. Like you have a place here, you belong. And it's, it is the big things, but so many times it's the little things. Mm -hmm. And so even like you said, just asking, like, what do you need? And just letting them know, this is where you're going to stay. Is that okay with you? Like, mm-hmm. do you need a, a bin for your clothes or what would help make this room feel more like your own? Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's just so important. Um, the little things that communicate 
you still belong here. Yeah. And I love that about the, the things that they like to have to eat and to drink. You know, I still ask people when they come, um, Hey, is there anything you'd like me to make while you're here? My mother still asks what I want to eat when I'm at her home. I'm 46 year old. Yeah, mine too. You know, so I think that importance of helping our kids know we see you, we know you, we want you to know our care for you. And there is nothing like space and food that accomplishes that. So you mentioned play together. This one's kind of interesting because as a mother of five children, what play looks like for all five of my children is so radically different, not even because of ages, but just personalities and preferences. Could you share maybe examples of stories you've heard where college students are like, oh my gosh, we did this. And you're like, yes, their parents played with them. Sure. And some of it too, we, we even forget about traditions because again, they're, mm-hmm. they're in a space that's new and nothing, there's no tradition for them in that. So coming mm-hmm. home and, and maybe it's, you know, you all go watch Christmas lights or you go, you watch a certain Christmas movie. Um, and, and that is play because it's what the family has always done and they've always done it together. And I think it is so important, like you mentioned, that it is child specific. And so um, there are things that would be playful to me that to my brothers would not be. Um, but mm-hmm. what are some of those traditions and things that you've always done that are considered play? Um, I know like we talk a lot about in student development, Dr. Sarah Baldwin is really great at this you have to go through the shallow to get to the deep. And I think so oftentimes we just want to jump in the deep and have those conversations, but there's so much good conversation and, and heartfelt laughter and trust that is built in the shallow that. So when you get in the deep with any of your children or your spouse, you can swim together. I love that. And so I, I think like when, when I go home, my family loves, like if it's over like Christmas that I, I love watching Elf. So we always try to watch Elf together or I love laser tag. So even still, like my family will find a way to play laser tag or escape room together or something like that, Mm -hmm. because that's what I love. And so again, it's whatever that play is to your, to your child. Um, And then what are the family traditions that are playful and engaging? And again, say in another way, you still belong here. Yeah. I love how you talked about going through the shallow to get to the deep, you know, what it is to prepare for them from place, you know, where they're going to sleep to what they're going to eat and how to play together in a way that's meaningful to them, how to engage in the traditions that you've had over the years. I think one of the things about the deep is who is my student becoming Mm -hmm. and how can I know them Um, as they're unfolding, as they've had this significant time away from me and they're the same, but different, you know, they're who they were, but not. What are some insights you could give about common changes that you see in students um, to help parents have a framework of changes that they might want to be mindful of or, or questions they might want to ask their kids for discovery of who they are and honoring that a lot has happened while they've been away and connecting on those points. One of the things I love about university students is that they are learning to have deep conversations and they love it. And so engaging in them in, in their mind and their heart and their soul is, it's just incredible to watch them learn how to have conversations that connect their thoughts and their feelings and their emotions all together. And so um, enjoy that. Enjoy learning how to have deep conversations with your students and they're growing in their confidence. And so um, 
a lot of times like you'll watch them even over freshman year, they'll just become more confident in the way that they carry themselves and the way that they engage with one another in the way that they are willing to have these conversations. One of the changes that we see is that they're, they're learning how to make their own choices. Um, some good, maybe some that we would not be so. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, as a mom, I'm so sorry. And I, hopefully my, interrupting you with laughter can be really affirming for parents because that stuff's hard and that's the letting go. That's That's the, oh gosh, that is not what I wanted for them. And I am going to bite my tongue in half and keep my mouth shut. Um, Because the choices, good and bad, are part of the growing up. They're part of our formation, even in our faith. Um, But it is painful to watch as a parent. Um, I'm sorry, I totally interrupted you, but gosh, the choices, it's it is. Yeah. And it's, it's, they're not even my children. And it's hard for me to watch because I, I yeah. know that it, it's heartache for them. But, and I think some of that's the beauty of working at a Christian higher ed institution is that we trust them to the Holy Spirit as your audience is trusting their children to the Holy Spirit. And it takes all of us together. We're not on two separate teams, the university and the parents. Like we are working together to mm-hmm. allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in these, in these students' lives. And that's the beauty of it. Um, but they do they do make choices. And so how mm-hmm. do we continue to support and encourage them despite how we feel about their choices um, right. and walking um, in their failures? That is that is difficult. And so changing as they're as they're learning to try out how to make choices and freedom and, and independence. And uh, that's a big thing, especially as they come back home, because depending on where they're going to the university, they have more independence or less independence and different independence nonetheless. And so how do we help them um, as they continue to make more independent choices and independent living styles, um, especially as they come back home? And that may be different than what the family routine has been. And so um, just conversations around that, but also, so like, those are great things that like they're, they're learning confidence or growing in their, their freedom and independence and choices. But we're also seeing, and this has been true for a while now, just the amount of anxiety that our students are facing and mental health issues and depression. Um, They're fearful. Um, Obviously, I mean, so much in our world has changed even in the last several years. We are a fearful people. And I can't imagine being 18 and not having the the capacity that I have now, with my brain fully formed to think through all of the things that have happened in our world. And they're walking through it trying to figure it out. Um, and then also they're just lonely. Um, yeah. We've talked about that a little bit, but they're, they're in a place where they're not known and there's not a shared history and they're trying to figure it out and it, it's difficult. So they're learning all these great, um, their, their freedom, their independence, their choices, their confidence, but then they're also facing an enormous amount of anxiety and depression and fearfulness mm-hmm. and loneliness. So you have this, a young adult who's grow, like emerging and like, wow, that's amazing. And man, my heart is aching for what you're mm-hmm. experiencing. And so how do we hold that as university people, as parents in tension with one another and shepherd them in their heart and their soul and their body as they mm-hmm. wrestle with what does this even mean? Um, and how do I become my own person? And how do I live yeah. into that fullness? And how do I differentiate between my family and myself and the university? It's, yeah, they are overwhelmed. Yeah, it's a lot. And I uh, mentor a university student, I mentor a seminary student. And that's part of a longstanding tradition that I've gotten to to have in my life. And gosh, you, you just said it all. And I think the most 
significant thing about meeting people who have fear, who have anxiety, who are lonely, um, are really convinced they are the only one um, because they don't have a life experience to tell them otherwise. You know, it's not because they're um, self-absorbed. It's because they don't know. They have no other context. And so one of the things that I think that we've spoken to, but it's really an unexpected theme, we really need to ask our kids questions. That's right. You know, how That's are right. you? How are you? What was your semester like for you? What was something that was better than you thought it would be? What was something that was That's really right. difficult that you didn't expect? How can I support you? What do you need from me? Like, I'm not trying to bombard people. I, I don't want parents to feel like they have to write down a list. But like your heart for your kid that is supportive you know, not the heart that's grieved necessarily, because they don't need to know all of your fears for them, because that just no, compounds their fears. <laughs> yeah, they, right. they don't need your fear on top of their fear. They don't need to carry that. You know, you dump your fear somewhere else for your kid. Um, but but what is it to say, this is what, what I'm wanting for you. I want to support you. I want to share in your joys and your victories and your struggles and discouragements. And I, I think some of the most significant things are, being specific, specific questions, specific right. validations, specific words of empathy, you know, gosh, it sounds like this semester was hard for you. You know, it sounds like you were lonely, not trying to fix it with an agenda. And I know increasingly all too well, I had someone shoot me a text the other day who I've walked with through really dark, difficult times. And she shot me a text the other day celebrating myself and a few others that have walked with her. And it was a little GIF and it said, people grow when they are loved well. If you want to help someone heal, love them without an agenda. And I got to tell you, as a parent, my heart was immediately pricked because I realized how agenda oriented I've become right now with my oldest not my oldest child, but my oldest kids, they're teenagers. There are certain things I'm wanting to make sure that we impart to them before they leave. And I was like, Ellen, you've made them a project. You've made an agenda of your own, the way you commune with them. What are you doing? But in the good news, it was an opportunity to say, okay, this person's telling you, you love well. You're devastated over the, you know, sudden unexpected conviction of realizing you're treating your children with an agenda, not in loving, caring relationship. Okay, Jesus, come and help me. Help me parent them out of my heart of love for them, not out of my fear and concern for them. So I really can't encourage parents enough, wherever you are, whatever your history has been with your kid, um, if you're agenda oriented right now, it's okay to stop and be honest about that. And get reconnected again with what you really want for your kid, which is for them to know that you see them and you know them and you love them. And uh, if that's a new concept for some people listening, because you've just been so busy trying to raise them, which, gosh, I understand all too well with five (laughs) kids, that's something you can begin anew. You know, I say to people all the time, start where you are. It's never too early. It's never too late. Everybody wants to be seen. And uh, new habits, new ways of being family with each other can start at any time. And uh, there's no moment like the present. That's right. And and something I pray often, like, Lord, help me have like a holy curiosity. And so Mm -hmm. when I'm asking 
you know, whoever's in front of me in a meeting or over coffee, like, Lord, help me have a a holy curiosity. And it's kind of to that point of, I don't want to be a agenda or a project, but I do want to ask some questions. I I want to mm-hmm. see who you are helping them become. And um, mm-hmm. I want to see you at work in them and not just here are my five questions I want to answer in, in this yeah. in this meeting. Um, and, it, and again, it, it's it's not bad to have an agenda, but how do we surrender that agenda? Like Absolutely, to the yeah. Lord. And yeah. yes, you know, for some parents, they may, may need to write down questions like, Lord, these are the questions I want to ask over this break. Would you open the door and the, the, the timing for those questions to be asked. And I, and that's, that's different than coming in. I'm going to ask these questions. I was like, okay, Lord, yeah. this is what I would love to know about my child. Would you help mm-hmm. me over the course of the two weeks they're home or the week in their home? Would you mm-hmm. provide space for this conversation to happen? And that's kind of mm-hmm. going back to that pray. Like we want to pray over our time together and mm-hmm. surrender it to the Lord as we do yeah. our kids. Yeah. You know, I've really appreciated this interview. We're unfortunately running out of time and it's left me kind of at a place of wondering what do we say for parents whose kids are coming home and they're like, you know, this Jesus thing. I, I think not, you know, so much of the interview has been reflected around the assumption and the expectation of, of how are they growing with him? And for some students, that's the reality. And for other students, the, the differentiating, the discovery is sometimes things get really messy and uncertain. And what is it like as parents to walk through that process as well? Um, but that's a whole other interview. So maybe we'd be fortunate enough to have you join us again, um, for that discussion of what it is to support our kids when, when their faith is unraveling, when, um, what was given to them, by their family, by their church growing up, they've decided doesn't fit and what it looks like to walk through that time with them of, um, of meeting Jesus in a fresh new way. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and moving forward there as somebody who did not become a Christian until my junior year of college and has a very (laughs) sordid, um, past, uh, downright antagonistic to the Christian faith. I, uh, I want to encourage parents, if you are listening and feel defeated, uh, about where your kids are with that, uh, friends grab the long game and keep praying, keep preparing, keep playing with your kids. Um, there's time. Jenny, is there anything else that you want to share with us that you just think would really give life to parents while their kids are home. There's so many wonderful things we've spoken to, but I'd love to give you one last chance. I would say share your own story. Like if I can encourage you to share your story, the good, the hard, and please share the messy, like share your yes. mistakes, share your fa- failures, because so often as a, as university students or even teenagers, they're looking for, man, my parents are perfect. They never messed up. They never had any doubts. They never made mistakes. And we've been so scared to share that with them because what if it turns them in the opposite direction? But that's the one thing they're craving, like authenticity, vulnerability, and they're old enough to hear it. So share your story as is appropriate and allow them, sit with them in that. Yeah. And I, I, gosh, I just cannot affirm that enough because, you know, from my book, A Life Shared Meaningful Conversations with Our Kids, they want to know us. 
They do. You know, part of a relationship is knowing each other and, um, and sharing your stories. Gosh, there's no better way than to do that. Um, remembering your time of your freshman year. Um, and you know, sometimes kids are like, I don't want to hear about that. So, you know, you can be like, Hey, Mm -hmm. I, would you like to hear about what my freshman you know, semester was like first semester. And if they're like, let it go. But what's funny is they'll loop back and when they're ready, they'll ask. Um, and I love that about kids. You know, you mentioned a holy curiosity, their curiosity and their wonder and their desire to know you is real. Um, and you know, you throw it out there, you make it an offer. And if they're not interested in the moment, well, that's all right. Cause they'll come back around to it when they're interested, they'll ask. And then I would just say, have fun. I mean, college students are a blast. They are intelligent. They are funny. They're goofy. They are awkward. And they're learning how to to have conversations. And they are intelligent, deep thinkers. And so just have fun with them. Enjoy them. And um, yeah, continue to trust them to God. And he will finish his work. Amen. Jeannie, thank you so much for joining us on a Life Shared Parent Helps and Renovations. It's been a delight. Thanks for joining me, Ellen Martin, for this episode of A Life Shared, Parent Helps and Renovations. I hope in some way it helped you live with others in ways that give life. That's a life shared. It's what we were made for. Mm